0: I have two younger brothers, so this uh, gospel passage has always uh, resonated with us as brothers. I see a lot of families, and I'm sure here today, and I'm sure that many of us can relate uh, to that statement, if your brother sins against you, uh, you go tell him his fault all the time, right? That's, uh, that was a very common experience for me and my brothers um, most of the time, though, it wasn't the way that Jesus would have told him. Brothers and sisters, our culture, on the one hand, values uh, greatly tolerance and kind of niceness. Niceness is, a, is almost a virtue for us, which has its place. Uh, it also, on the other hand, rejects many things, and is very intolerant in other ways. Consider the phrase, for example, in support of the niceness or tolerance culture, you do you. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. All of these are so widespread that we have to admit that at least in my generation of millennials, they basically become tropes and jokes among many young people. Now, we want as Christians, make no mistake about it, for people to be kind to one, to one another. We want people to be tolerant of one another. But I fear, brothers and sisters, that sometimes we mistakenly think that kindness towards another person means tolerating, without any judgment, all of their actions. Our culture teaches us that to be a friend, to be a loving person to another, means that we must unquestionably accept everything they do as good. And this simply, to put it very simply brothers and sisters, is not a biblical picture of what it means to be a friend. It's not what Christ does for us, and he is our best friend, as we've talked about. And it's not what he calls us to do for one another. And in the face of that culture, Jesus in the gospel today presents us with a very challenging command, at least for me it is. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Go and tell him his fault. Such a command means that Christ assumes a few things that are very at odds with our kind of common way of thinking. First, that there is such a thing as sin. Objectively speaking, there are things that you and I do that are sinful. Second, this command means that you and I have to judge that our brother has sinned against us. And we don't like that word, judgment. In fact, some will say that Christ elsewhere tells us, which is true, it does say this in the gospel, to not judge lest we be judged. And it would suggest suggest that Christ is contradicting himself here. But he's not. You see, here in this gospel today, Christ is commanding us to judge the action of our brother or sister and be very clear about this distinction. To judge the action that we can see and not to judge his intention, the state of his soul, not whether he or she is worthy of mercy, nor even what punishment that person should receive. Third, and probably most contradictory to our culture, it assumes, Christ's command today assumes that telling someone that they did someone ro- something wrong, far from being sinful, could actually be a praiseworthy act, a virtuous act, an act of charity. See, he himself, Christ himself, he commands us to do what he did, right? That's the, the, the model for us as Christians is, is Christ's life. And so he commands us to correct our brothers and sisters just as he himself rebuked those who sinned against him and against his father. Think about in the the temple when he drove out the money changers or last week in the gospel when he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Christ doesn't mince words and it might appear to our modern way of thinking that therefore he was unkind or not nice to those folks. But he was always charitable. Christ, when he rebuked, he did, be, he did it because he loved the person. And that's our call as well, brothers and sisters. You see, a man's sin, a man or woman's sin always carries with it a multitude of evils, right? We see this from the very beginning. Right? What happens when Adam and Eve sin? Well, they, their relationship is with, with God is broken off. The relationship between them as a human community is broken. And even within themselves, they find this brokenness where the they desire things, in the words of St. Paul, that they know they shouldn't do. But we can principally kind of divide these effects in one way into two different areas. Sin hurts the community, right? It hurts the body of Christ, and it hurts the sinner. The latter is more significant than the former, in a, in a sense, the one or the community who is sinned against, he loses something temporary and passing. Perhaps of great worth, and I, I make no mistake about that, but not of ultimate worth. However, the one who sins, the one who sins grievously, loses something even greater. He risks losing eternal life. Because sin has two effects, one towards the community and one towards the individual sinner, there's two different remedies for sin. In God's plan. Regarding the harm done to the community we pursue justice. Justice seeks the common good in community. This is related to but not identical with the good of every individual. individual. Justice strictly speaking isn't concerned with the rehabilitation of the sinner but rather that the common good be preserved. And the one who has care of a community, for example, a pastor or a father or a mother or a political leader or a judge is called to work towards the common good. And you and I cooperate in that in our sphere of influence as well. The common good, which is the aim of justice. It's not wrong for us as a society to punish uh, someone who has harmed the common good of society and to reward those that support it. However, what Jesus is talking about today in the gospel is not so much a pursuit of justice, though it's not opposed to it, but the action of charity, which motivates fraternal correction, as Christ describes today in the gospel. Christ proposes that charity has to be the, the basis of our actions when we correct another person one-on-one. Charity or love always it always seeks the good of the other person as other. And that has to be, brothers and sisters, for you and for I as Christians... That has to be the basis for admonishing or correcting a brother or a sister who sinned against us. Note that difference, right? When we fraternally correct someone, what Christ is calling us to today in the gospel, we don't correct in order to punish or to take vengeance or to gain satisfaction from another. It's not an indulgence of our passions. Rather, we do so because we know that it's the right thing to do for the other person's sake Justice in community is extremely important, but fraternal correction is not primarily justice-seeking. Rather, it seeks the good of the individual, the one, the lost sheep, the the prodigal son, the, the the, the, the man who was attacked by robbers and helped by the good Samaritan. Think of these things. It's always the one. Christ always goes after the one and he invites us to do that same thing. We, brothers and sisters, when we engage in fraternal correction, we want our brother or sister to change not for our sake, but for their sake. The way that Jesus wanted Peter to change not for his sake, but for Peter's sake. The way that Jesus Christ wants you and I to change. Wants you and I to repent. Not for his sake, but for our good. This is what it means to win our brother or sister over. The goal of fraternal correction is to win the brother, to bring him or her back into communion with Christ. See, it even flows from that beautiful parable of the prodigal son, the older brother is admonished because he should have been looking for his brother. The father himself goes out to look for the younger son. And the older brother refuses. He refuses to go look for the younger, even once the younger has come back, to bring him back to the father. It's therefore a very serious duty for us, brothers and sisters, to admonish the sinner spiritual work of mercy. In fact, St. Augustine reminds us, if you would neglect this, you're worse than the sinner himself. He has done an injury and by doing an injury has stricken himself with a grievous wound. Will thou regard, disregard your brother's wound? Will you see him perishing or already lost and disregard his case? You are worse in your silence than in his reviling. Therefore, he says, then when anyone sins against us, let us take great care not for ourselves, for it is a glorious thing to forget injuries. Only forget thine own injury, not thy brother's wound. Now, brothers and sisters, a few practical things here. We're not obliged to correct every person in the world. That would be impossible, first of all. There's a certain prudence to the statement that we should mind our own business, right? We're not called to be the watchdog of other persons' behaviors that don't concern us. This all too often happens on social media or in the news, right? Thomas Aquinas, summarizing the thought of St. Augustine regarding fraternal correction, he writes that the danger of becoming too concerned with the negative behavior of, of others is that we should become spies on the lies of others and lie in wait seeking the fall of the just one. So, who then does Christ call us to correct in their sins? St. Augustine tells us to care for our brothers and sisters by correcting what we see, what comes into our field of vision. That is what we know with moral certainty could be harmful to another person's salvation, to a person that we have a relationship with, family member, our friends. And practically speaking, this means that we shouldn't go looking for people to correct and that we should always assume the good intentions of other folks until they're proven otherwise. We should also only correct those, says the Wisdoms of the Saints, whom we sincerely believe that it will have a positive impact upon. Even if a person has harmed us, it often does no good to correct them if they're unable to hear that correction. If we're likely to be misunderstood or the person is not in the state of mind to receive the correction, we're better off delaying it. Parents, you know this quite well. If your kid has done something wrong and they're angry or emotional, sometimes you have to say, "Go to your room, right? Wait a few minutes, calm down, and then we'll talk about this." It's a delay. It's not. It's not a uh, "you're you're out of trouble completely" thing, right? Same thing's true with our interactions with other people. We need to be prudent about how we do this. Sometimes we're better off to delay it. Sometimes we're better off to delay it for a long time and to pray for that person. But when it comes time, brothers and sisters, that we need to correct out of charity and we believe that it is possible that we would be well received, we shouldn't shy away from it. In fact, Christ gives us a very clear and pragmatic way of going about it today. First, he says, go to your brother or sister. Speak to them one-on-one if possible. The temptation here is to fall into gossip. The temptation is to go and spread and harm the good name of another person. And the Lord, knowing the psychology of humanity, uh, realizes that that won't help them, right? We should too. You know, we get defensive if we feel threatened. No one likes to hear that they did something wrong, much less be publicly accused of it. And remember, the point is to win your brother back, not to drive him away, not to punish him, not to shame him, to win him back. So if you're trying to win him back, you want to take every possible means to do it in a a gentle way. Now, if a person, after correction, persists in sin, seek counsel. Find good people. People that you look up to, especially, or even better, people that that person looks up to. People that know that person well and whom that person respects and trusts. And Go with them to them. If they still refuse to listen, brothers and sisters the Lord tells us to reckon them as we would a Gentile or a tax collector, numbering him no longer amongst the brethren. But remember, neither is his salvation on that account to be neglected. See, that's the thing, right? We go out, we evangelize, we want to bring people to know Jesus Christ And as Augustine says, for the very heathen, that is the Gentiles and the pagans, we don't reckon among the number of the brethren, but yet we are ever seeking their salvation. To help a brother or sister to grow in virtue, to come back to the faith, this is a very difficult task. But it is a task that is well worth it, and it is something that we as good members of the body of Christ as ones who know Christ and know the joy and the freedom that comes from living with him we must do to guide a brother or sister back to the father's house this is a great act of charity an act of charity which mirrors Christ's own charity to us we must go and we must do likewise